but we're supposed to die. Right? Thanos kills us after Ragnarok. Thanos. In my timeline, everything proceeded correctly my entire life until Thanos attacked our ship. So you, you didn't try to stab him? Huh, certainly not. I take no offense, my friends, but blades are worthless in the face of a Loki sorcery. They stunt our magical potential. But they look awesome. Oh, yes. Especially when they clatter to the ground just before your neck is snapped. I cast a projection of myself so real, even the mad Titan believed it, then hid as inanimate debris. After I faked my death, I simply drifted in space, away from Thor, away from everything. I thought about the universe and my place in it, and it occurred to me that everywhere I went, only pain followed. So I removed myself from the equation landed on a remote planet and stayed there in isolation, in solitude, for a long, long time. How did the TVA find you? I got lonely. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I missed my brother, and I wondered if he missed me, if anybody else did. But as soon as I took my first steps to getting off the planet, the TVA arrived. Because we, my friends, have but one part to play. The God of Outcasts. From Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to the MCU Diaries. It's a podcast dedicated to every Marvel Studios series on Disney+. Plus. So sit back, relax, and let's break down Earth's Mightiest Heroes. everybody welcome back to the mcu diaries i am your host blake larson for today and we are talking about episode 105 of loki journey into mystery and let me tell you this episode rocks and this episode rocks for so many different reasons in fact in fact uh, a good friend of mine, uh, actually the godfather of my daughter, his name is Tim, he, uh, I, I visited him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he said to me, episode five might be my favorite MCU like property ever done. Like It's just like his favorite MCU thing ever like created. And I kind of almost agree. Episode five is great on so many different levels, and... We're going to get into that today, but before we do, I wanted to remind you that you can go to maryandblake.com, check out all the great podcasts that we have there. You want to get in touch, just look up Mary and Blake on all of the social media platforms. And of course, if you want to help support this mom and pop podcast company, you can go to jointhenerdclan.com. And there you can, you know, just support us and get all this great material uh, that is exclusive to just jointhenerdclan.com. But for now, let's get into this just gorgeous episode.
That's right, Loki episode 105, Journey into Mystery. <sighs> this is a good one. And it is a straight-up banana land episode of television, which, in my opinion, actually serves as a perfect theme versus anti-theme mirror for our main character, Loki. As this episode builds, just brilliant momentum heading into the season finale. Uh, like it's you, you cannot get a better penultimate episode for a season than this the way that everything builds up it it, in fact it builds up so much momentum it almost feels like just half of an episode (laughs) because the ending you get to the ending you're like oh my god i need to get more what are we doing uh and and that is when you know you have great momentum that's when you know you've done something right so let's just make one thing very clear at the beginning of this episode anytime and i mean any time you have an episode of television which features Richard E. Grant and Owen Wilson debating the true identity of an alligator, <laughs> you, you must know that you are in for a fantastic ride. Seriously, like that. It just that that scene just made my day. I'm so happy that was included. But of course, setting aside my love of all things reptile integrity, this is the exact kind of episode I was looking for when I first heard Loki the series was going to become a series on Disney Plus. Hashtag not a sponsor. Uh, It featured incredible effects and it has multiple versions of Loki and it was well shot. The the action scenes and and it had just the right amount of absurdity and when I mean absurdity I'm looking at you Frog Thor. Yes there is a Frog Thor in this episode and is a quick blink and you'll miss it and it is awesome. Again I just have to say this. I think this might be my favorite episode of any MCU show yet and one of my favorite MCU products put out so far. And, you know, one of the one of the things, too, that I think a lot of people were upset about, actually, was that the advertising for Loki featured a lot of what this episode looks like and, you know, like the President Loki and everything. I can understand why some people felt like it was a bait and switch. I don't. Just because I think when you look at the campaign Loki or the President Loki or whatever they're calling him, I, I think it's it's cute and it's nice, but he serves a purpose and that's it. <sighs> but I will admit, though, while all the aforementioned traits are certainly an asset to the penultimate episode of Loki the series, there is another <sighs> far more impa- important facet, which really cements my just <laughs> pure joy And that is the exquisite execution of theme and anti-theme. If you are a frequent listener of Mary and Blake Media, you know that theme is and cannot be a word or a phrase like brotherhood or love. That is not theme. (laughs) That is a notion. They are abstract notions, those things. And it is a Mary and Blake media commandment that theme must be a question or an argument. What is a Loki? Can Loki be good? Who is a Loki? Or in the instance of Journey into Mystery, Lokis, most of all, want connection. Now that, that is a central theme which can be argued one way or the other. And for our purposes here, there is a lighthearted introspection into who a Loki is when old Loki and Mobius have a fireside chat about the true identity of Alligator Loki. 
you really don't remember him. I mean, TVA had arrested a lot of Lokis, but no, I don't remember an alligator. I mean, who's to say he's even a Loki variant? He's green, isn't he? I don't know. He could be lying. The long con. Of course, that just makes him more likely to be a Loki. It's always the game within the game with you guys, which I respect. Again, I, I just I, I had to play that that conversation just for the sake of playing it because I love it. I cannot get enough of it. Please give me a show with just old Loki and alligator Loki running around the void, vanquishing frogs and pseudo peacock looking animals and all the other Loki variants. It would just be awesome. And while it is fair to ask who a Loki is and revert to Mobius's initial assertion, Loki episode 105 goes so much farther than that. Yes, it asks who Loki is, but it also provides an interesting answer for our Loki the character and Sylvie. The highlight of this episode, amidst all the pomp and circumstance of enchanting Eliath or uh, campaign Loki, waging war against the rest of all the other Lokis who have been stuck in the void for eons, it is this demure and quiet scene shared between Sylvie, Loki, and a rather ineffective blanket. Or was it a tablecloth? I can't really remember. Theme is how and why films or television shows can exist, because it can be argued. So how and why does this episode exist? Because of that moment Loki and Sylvie share when they sit down in a field and talk about their future. It confirms everything the viewer needs to know about the struggles, the battles, or even the torture our characters have undergone, not just in this series, but their entire lives. It highlights change, but also a stasis in the definition of who a Loki can be and what a Loki most desires. It is truly a remarkable sequence. And if our active theme, as I posit today, is Loki's most of all want connection, then our anti-theme, our anti-theme would be Loki's most desire power and to be alone. At the first mention of Mobius and how Sylvia con- con- Sylvie confirms he truly cares about Loki, the wind picks up and Loki remarks that it's cold, after which he magics up a blanket for himself, but not Sylvie, only offering to make a singular blanket for her, holding on to silence for a few beautiful, uncomfortable seconds. We see a natural push and pull of our theme. And the various subcategories that serve the theme. Who is Loki? Is it possible that Loki can have companionship? Is Loki stronger alone or with a partner? Are Loki and Sylvie actually free? So, Mobius and his um, theory. Right, right, about my Nexus event. Total rubbish, right? Absolutely, of course. I mean... I don't mean that it wasn't, you know, a nice moment. No, it was great. It was really nice. It was, it was, it was great. It just sounds like another TVA lie. Hundred percent. I mean, t- totally. Yeah. Notice the the irony in the meanings during this conversation and how they seem to feel each other out, looking for validation and need, just not saying it. This right here is a rejection of theme and a bolstering of stasis or anti-theme for both characters. We don't have to do this. I I don't have anyone. 
Sylvie meekly suggests to Loki right before they agree on the last push for their stasis or anti-theme in the false bravado of how there are more important matters to worry about, like bringing down the TVA or saving the universe. Not to be too dramatic about it, of course. But then something magical happens. Yes, literally magic. Loki enlarges his blanket to surround both E and Sylvie. But there is also a figurative magic here, too. A rejection of the anti-theme. Lokis do not have to be alone. Lokis do not only strive for power. Lokis long for connection. How do I know that in the final moments you won't betray me? Listen, Sylvia, I... I betrayed everyone who ever loved me. I betrayed my father, my brother, my home. I know what I did. And I know why I did it. And that's not who I am anymore. Okay? I won't let you down. You sure? Because if we make it and the TVA is gone, there might be a timeline for you to rule. And then I'd finally be happy. Yes, that that final bit is cute and they both smile at each other because they know the irony here. They know the joke. (laughs) They know what what this is all about. It's an endearing scene that obviously further Loki's rejection of the anti-theme. He knows full well that he would not be happy. He would have no plan, just as he learned in episode 101. There is no fulfillment unless Sylvie is with him. What about you? What will you do when this is all over? I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe. Maybe we could figure it out. Together. In what might be my most favorite MCU episode yet, this might be my favorite scene in this episode. I, I cannot express to you how much, how much I love this scene and everything in it. It is... If I could just like forget this scene just so I could watch it again, I would do it. Because Tom Hiddleston's sincerity in his delivery is equally matched by Sofia DiMartino's somber final line of maybe. When she also knows that full well she may not be able to give up her dream despite how much her connection to Loki has enlightened her existence. Nonetheless, this scene exemplifies Everything that is truly meaningful in this episode. Both Loki and Sylvie have strived to rule one thing or take down another thing for their entire lives. They have been alone, deranged, and even marginalized while they battled for significance in their existence of solitude. They've been incapable of friendship and trust or love during this time, only to be proven wrong by a genuine embrace of friendship 
eventually between Mobius and Loki. Another example of connection, old Loki emphatically screams, glorious purpose, as he is eaten by Eliath when he provides a distraction for Loki and Sylvie. Yet another connection and self-sacrifice for a Loki that emphasizes the theme of this episode. And perhaps our theme is most notable when old Loki reflects on how he was caught by the TVA simply because he missed Thor. And after his self-preservation in avoiding Thanos, he just went away. As much as our theme is exemplified by these truly connective moments, our theme is also reinforced by the anti-theme at the same time. Yes, I know that doesn't make sense, but it does. Hear me out. All of the Lokis struggle for power, backstabbing one another for rule over a meaningless and empty void. In a truly delightful moment, our Loki simply puts his hands on his face in total embarrassment over how childish and foolish all of these Lokis act. Whether it is campaign Loki or boastful Loki, kid Loki, or even old Loki, they all serve as a mirror for what Loki was and can still be. What's brilliant is that despite his previous actions, remember, this is the Loki at his most despicable just after he was caught in the Battle of the New York in, for, in the movie Avengers, Loki actively and avidly rejects the anti-theme for the sake of connection when it is presented to him. Finally, our theme is calcified completely when Sylvie tells Loki that they can enchant Eliath together because he has her powers too, and together... They recognize that they have a power that is far stronger than a part, and opens the avenue to find whatever exactly it is they are looking for at the end of the void. Plus, it's a badass cliffhanger that asserts a massive amount of momentum heading into the finale. Let's frackin' go! Love it. I love this episode. Love it. Can't get enough. Time for Apropos of Nothing for Loki, episode 105, Journey into Mystery, the title of this episode is appropriate on many levels. First, the theme for our character is, in fact, a mystery. Do Lokis want connection? It is a mystery. Also, Journey into Mystery was also the title of the comic series that first introduced Norse mythology, i.e. Thor and Odin and Loki, etc., into the Marvel Universe. Notice that Mjolnir and Frog Thor as the camera moved down the, into the Loki bunker. Like I said, it's a blink and you'll miss it moment, but it's a great callback to when Loki turned Thor into a frog in the comics and also when he refers to doing that in the Thor Ragnarok. Really cool. Agent B-15's comment to Ravona Renslayer that she will never discover the man behind the curtain faster than Sylvie because she simply wants it while Sylvie needs it to survive is amazing, but is also does not portend well for Sylvie as she may not be able to let go of her goal despite her connection to Loki. But again, this is how this show is showing you what these characters are all about. It is a tad frustrating that our other Loki variants don't seem to get more screen time after this. I'm not sure, though, how much more narrative juice they would provide after this episode. But <laughs> they're <laughs> another amazing bit 
of just great humor that I think only Loki, the, the series, would be able to provide. When Alligator Loki jumps up and bites campaign Loki's hand off, and you have that horrible scream from Tom Hiddleston, it, oh, man. It's just, it, it's so banana. It's just bananas, and it's just the, the best. My gut tells me I would rather much have spent more time here in the void than how much we did on Lament This One. I think I would rather get more Loki variant time and use that to mirror the connection shared between Sylvie and Loki. That, to me, seems more fertile for Sylvie and Loki's relationship than riding a train. I mean, don't you feel like that too? Like, doesn't that feel right? I would have loved to have gotten more scenes like the blanket scene. I would have gotten, I would have loved to have gotten more conversations between all the Loki variants. And I, granted, I probably would have liked to have a little bit more fun with campaign Loki. That would have been fun, but they, I think they served their purpose and that's probably it. I do like, though, how Loki the series highlights many different forms of connection, whether it be with Loki variants in the void, the romantic relationship between Loki and Sylvie, or just the simple friendship between Loki and Mobius. That hug does not have the same heft if we do not have the emphasis on their buddy-cop relationship in the first two episodes. In other words, Loki the series values all forms of relationship, and it is not just a one-note punch. The Void is the place where all pruned objects go. It's at the end of time, and Eliath is a super big entity that just eats all variant objects. He apparently protects whoever is in charge of the TVA too, and now Sylvie and Loki have tricked Eliath into letting them in. <sighs> is it a little clunky? Yes. But... I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know how else to get from A to B. I couldn't think of a better way. I tried. I tried so much before this podcast, and I, and I, I couldn't think of it. So I, I'll, I will take it as it comes. Alligator Loki drinking Roxy wine from the box is just awesome. It's a great callback to episode 102, but it is not as great as Kid, Lo Kid Loki drinking Ecto Cooler. Yes, that is Ecto Cooler. And for all of you who are my age and either a couple of years older or a couple of years younger, I know you remember what Ecto Cooler is. And that is just a great, great just awesome high C flavor. But as much as I love it, one of my things that I have always wondered is what the heck is the actual flavor of Ecto Cooler? Like what actually is the flavor? I don't know. It's just Ecto Cooler. Like the, if anybody actually knows the real flavor of Ecto Cooler, please email me at maryandblakemedia at gmail.com or just get in touch with me uh, th through the various social media platforms because I, I, I am just at a loss for words for what that actual flavor of, uh, was. And actually, here's a fun bit of trivia too. The USS Eldridge, which was the ship that was featured in this episode, shooting at Eliath in the void, that ship is actually a real-life destroyer, said to be the subject of the Philadelphia experiment, 
which is an urban legend that posits that the ship was experimented on so much that it would disappear to the human eye. In real life, though, it was, it's been said that it was eventually um, do- dry docked and then stripped for parts and sold for parts uh, later on in the early 2000s. But still, still a good and fun little nod to what could be the result of uh, the Philadelphia experiment when it disappears. The music playing during old Loki's sacrifice to distract Eliath by conjuring a full-size Asgard is the Loki theme mixed with Wagner's Ride of the Valkyries. This was alluded to when young Sylvie was talking about how the Valkyries saved Asgard right before Ravona Renslayer took her to the TVA, and of course is also a reference to uh, Valkyrie in Thor Ragnarok. So, just a fun bit of uh, just uh, MCU being MCU (laughs) right there. And that is it for this episode, ladies and gents. It is now time to get to the finale. And I'm ready, man. I, I love this episode. It is so good. But let's do the finale. Let's close it out, shall we? So again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the MCU Diaries. If you haven't done so already, you can actually subscribe to this podcast via any of the podcatchers of your choice. Because if you're listening to this on social media or maybe whatever, you're just hearing it because maybe your friend's listening to it. Who knows? I don't know. If you go subscribe to it, it is there on any podcatcher that you can think of. And please, if you could, if you find what we have done here and what I've said and what we've talked about and analyzed and broke down, if that gives you value and if you find that it enhances your viewing experience of Loki, please do me a favor and give me a written review with with, uh, stars as well. I would really appreciate it. As I've noted before in this podcast, it doesn't necessarily make the show more popular or whatever. People will tell you that it does. That's full of crap. That's not true. It does not make you higher in ratings or whatever. It it just shows other listeners or potential listeners that you particularly like this podcast or you would recommend it. That does help spread word about it, I I imagine. And I would greatly appreciate it if you took the time to give us a, a rating and a written review for that. And another way to support the podcast, too, of course, as I mentioned before, is go to jointhenerdclan.com, where you can support this podcast and uh, get tons of great perks and community and free swag and premium podcasts and after-doc episodes, book clubs. I mean, it just it never ends. And, of course, the, the, the community is what is really great there. The, 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 the nerds that love to talk about whatever they love to talk about, man, they just... They go on and on, and I just sometimes I just like to sit back and just watch the conversations happen and be written as they are. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. This uh, episode, though, is a great episode. It is great momentum, and normally for any penultimate episode of television that I watch and that I podcast about, I do save some time for... Um, 
the final countdown from Europe. But you know what? I love Natalie Holt's score so much that I am foregoing my obsession with Europe (laughs) just to listen to what Natalie Holt has given us. By the way, I have gone and purchased the both volumes of the soundtracks uh, on iTunes or for Apple Music, whatever. Uh, I'm just that old that I still call it iTunes. Uh, I've pre- there are two volumes, volume one and volume two, and the first volume is episodes one through three, and the second volume is episodes four through six. You want them. You want them. Go look them up right now. Go get them. They're amazing. So that is it for now, ladies and gents. I am going to let you go, and now I'm going to go break down the finale. And it's going to be long. I just, I got a feeling. I got a feeling. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. See you next episode. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.